emphasize that experiential knowledge um, destabilizes established scholarly knowledge. Hi, Dora. Hi, Allison. So today we are talking about what is an anti-racist curriculum and pedagogy. And I think the first thing we need to talk about is justice, right? Um, racism is inherently unjust, unfair. And yet we teach at a college that is dedicated to justice, fairness. So what are we going to do with racism and anti-racism? Well, I think the first place for John Jay is to name it in reflecting on our conversations over the last few episodes, I it prompted me to go back and look at some of our documents, particularly our general education curriculum, which has a justice core option of six to 12 credits that are focused on uh, giving students a foundation uh, about justice. And what I noticed is that nowhere in these documents do we even mention race, racism, anti-racism or anything of the like. Yes, there is mention of struggle for justice. There is a mention of diversity and culture, but specifically race and racism is not mentioned. And I want to start there because of how important it is for our students, our faculty and our staff to see our experiences in the work that we do at the college. In this episode, we hear from Demas Glassford of the Psychology Department, Shreya Subramani of the Political Science Department in the Law and Society major, Virginia Diaz-Mendoza of the Percy Ellis Sutton Sikh Department, and Ray Patton of the History Department and the Honors Program. We learn from them ways of thinking about anti-racist curriculum and pedagogy, specifically, what those practices might mean in justice work. How do we do anti-racist work? How do we transform the concept of a curriculum? And most specifically, as we hear from Dr. Diaz-Mendoza, what does it mean for students to no longer be missing from the curriculum that they're expected to learn from? I was going to start with a caveat, which is probably not ideal. You know, when, when, when I got the email, I was trying to think about what is anti-racism and, and I really wasn't sure how to define it. You know, we're, we're in campaign season a little bit here and it, it's kind of like, um, I'd rather be for something than against something. So I, I tried to think about what, you know, what I'm for. And I think one of the things for me, at least coming from my perspective in psychology is when we think about race or racism, it's dynamic, right? So it's not an objective thing. It's not just one thing. And I feel like sometimes when we have these discussions about racism, it, it kind of sometimes takes on this flavor of, you know, well, if we only did X, you know, we'll be fine, you know, but at least a lot of the research that I've done, and, and I think within um, lots of areas that you know, ra racism is dynamic across time and place and people and space. 
And the things that, you know, my mother would, would have said is, is racist. You know, I probably, um, the things that, you know, she might find and say, well, that's not really racism. I might say, well, that is racism. And, and the things that, you know, my children or, or even some of our students might say are going to be different just because it's a dynamic across time. Right. So I think it's important to distinguish between this idea of racism as an objective thing versus something that's contextual, that's happening between people within a particular time and place and context. Right. And it's about relationships, right? Relationships among people, relationships among groups. So I guess, you know, that's one place I might start. And then in terms of thinking about what I'm for, at least again, thinking from the, the perspective of psychology, I'm always interested in kind of what is the assumption about what is normal experience, right? So whether we're talking about language or habits or right or wrong, I think sometimes whether it could be in the curriculum that we're teaching or in the way we talk about things, uh, people can have an assumption about, well, this is what's quote unquote normal, right? And I think that may sometimes comes from the lens with which people use to see the world. So I can speak for myself, like I see the world through race and class, right? So when things happen, that's how I interpret things, right? But I, I, I less often think about being male or being heterosexual, right? That's not out of like some deliberate thing, but it's just, I, I tend to see the world from, from that perspective. So I think one of the things that's important for an anti-racism, whether racism curriculum or is thinking about the perspectives that we're bringing to the table within the classroom or, or, or at the college, right? So bringing a variety of perspectives. So kind of acknowledging your own perspective, as I said, mine could be, you know, race and class, uh, bringing content that can help inform why certain people in the classroom might have specific pers perspectives, whether that's talking about systems, power, culture, history, and then I think if we're talking about anti-racism, at least thinking about social change as a, as a third part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you started there because I think uh, the, the emphasis on thinking about anti-racism as a praxis, as a way of making relations, I think is kind of key to this conversation, that it's not a sort of static set of initiatives that you implement and then suddenly something like a curriculum is transformed into being anti-racist. What's interesting is the question itself, what is an anti-racist curriculum? It strikes me as similar to a lot of questions that are being asked right now, which is, you know, what does abolition look like? What does decolonization look like? And, and I think Something that, uh, Demis, you're getting at is that um, we don't necessarily have to center the question or answer what is it, um, more what are the sort of glimpses of the practices that could, the practices of anti-racism. So thinking of it as a historical process, thinking of it as um, complex and full of sort of difficult ways of relating to other people, not merely thinking that the form, let's say, of a curriculum has to stay the same and the parts just change, but thinking alongside, alongside that, how do we actually transform the concept of a curriculum altogether? I appreciate all that you've shared, and I think that um, my entry point into this conversation is really thinking about 
how is our current curriculum racist? How is our current curriculum oppressive? And why isn't our current curriculum culturally affirming? And I, I say that's my entry point because I really spent some time thinking about a statement that was sent to the chairs by um, the Black Student Union at John Jay and really um, thinking about what are they saying? Like what, what's missing? And really they're missing. So the things that are being taught in the classroom, the things on their syllabus, the readings, the scholars, the theorists, many of them are um, not like our students, right? So our students were a minority serving institution, we're a Hispanic serving institution. I myself am a first generation Hispanic student. I actually identify as first generation Dominican American. And I didn't see myself in the curriculum either, but that was 20 years ago. So when students today say that they don't see themselves in the curriculum or in the classroom or in the materials that they're um, getting in the classroom to, to learn, that's an issue, right? Because those are the students that we are serving and they're the students that we're preparing to be uh, young professionals that are going to go out into the world. And the question is, you know, what are we teaching? And, you know, are we so stuck in our disciplines that we can't um, be inclusive of other people and, and what they have to offer? I'm glad I'm uh, going forth in the conversation here because a lot of what I have to say is going to piggyback on a lot of your ideas. Um, Virginia, in, in particular, uh, your uh, perspective on the curriculum and, and students' experience of it really, uh, really captures what I've been hearing from students in honors. Um, the, the theme of the honors curriculum is the common good, uh, but nowhere is it stated how that connects to uh, their identity as students of color, how that's connected to John Jay as a Hispanic and minority serving institution. Um, nowhere is it specified that that is supposed to address racism uh, and give students the tools to uh, oppose it. So this is a this is a not just an abstract question for me right now. It's a question. Uh, I've, it, it's a conversation I've been having with students in honors, and one that we're going to have to. Uh, while <laughs> while it's an abstract question, we're going to have to figure out a practical solution because it's clear um, that that we 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 need to do something to change that. Um, to, to, to answer the question of what that looks like, uh, I, I, I'm still figuring it out. Um, we're in the midst of this conversation in honors, but uh, I, I'd say maybe in part because I'm a historian, um, one, of the, one of the aspects is, uh, of it is that, uh, as, as you suggested, Demas, racism changes over time. It's something that evolved historically. Uh, and I, I think, the, the curriculum needs to examine the origins of, of racism uh, and the concept of race. How did this come about? How did it uh, shape and structure societies? Um, there are lots of different ways of telling that story, but uh, I, I think it's important to do that and to show how those structures have persisted into the present in ways that are really important um, for, for students to understand. Uh, 
just, just at the same time, I think it's also important to uh, to tell the other part of the story, the affirming part of the story, not just leaving it at uh, what racism is and what oppression looks like, but also tell the stories of uh, the struggle against that, the triumphs, the victories, the way um, communities of color have have created their own alternatives, uh, have have led revolutions uh, and reforms. Um, so making sure those stories are told in the curriculum. And I, I guess the final piece I would throw in there is, uh, and this is probably the, the one that is the hardest for me, just because it's not what I'm trained in, but also maybe for, for a lot of areas in higher education is how to deal with not just the intellectual concepts of racism, but the emotional aspects. Uh, how do we equip students to deal with the emotions that come with racism um, and how to communicate with each other across different, uh, different experiences with respect to race? Um, so I, I think that's, that's our emerging uh, understanding of it. I'm on my life, talk to my barrel the whole night long. I'm on my life, talk to my barrel the whole night long. I'm trying to teach and show her now which way right from wrong. I, I wanted to say, I think that uh, the emphasis on uh, an interrogation of history and what histories are taught and what histories are excluded um, is sort of, I believe, very key to um, the concept of anti-racist praxis. Um, and I and I and you bring up a really excellent point: is that um, you know, oftentimes what's left out is maybe we're talking about the oppressive histories, um, the forms of racialization throughout history or the forms of uh, oppression through the law and uh, the carceral state. And all of those things are really important sort of critical histories to understand, um, especially at a place like John Jay. Uh, but, but the histories that are often left out are these kind of very robust, um, uh, not only intellectual traditions, um, but also um, histories of liberation struggles um, across the world in a sort of, you know, uh, in global context as well as um, you know, context in the U.S. and and they're connected. Um, these these kind of revolutionary struggles. So I do think that um, that's an excellent kind of point and a good point to start. That a lot of courses um, I believe that are um, teaching, uh, especially within John Jay College, kind of lack. Uh, lack an attunement to the multiplicity of, of histories, um, including, I think, and I think a lot of uh, professors like myself are, you know, constantly um, sort of struggling with like the practicalities of, of um, the purview of a course. Um, but I do think emphasizing those different for forms of, of understanding history is really important. Um, and, and lastly, I think in, uh, at John Jay, we have a very unique and particular um, kind of institutional history and role, and that's our role in um, kind of the production of, of law enforcement and um, and criminal justice actors, and uh, and recognizing that history and sort of understanding 
um, that uh, in today's context and, and the sort of implications that has for the very complex, both emotional and sort of um, historical understandings of our students who are both um, perhaps interested in being a part of uh, those institutions while also recognizing that they um, come from communities who are largely targeted by the criminal justice system and law enforcement. Um, I think that history is also one that, um, it, you know, is always in the room when I'm teaching. And so I think it's a, uh, and I'm sure all of you, you know, have experienced this as well. So uh, yeah, that's part of the emphasis on history, I think is really important to the thinking and practice of anti-racism. One, th one thing I also wanted to, I, I mean, I think, Others have touched on this a little bit, but I also wanted to talk about representation. Um, I think sometimes in some of these conversations, representation kind of is equated to diversity and inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. If we can, this kind of hiring of racial ethnic minorities is kind of takes the place of diversity. And, and my hope is that when we're talking about anti-racism at John Jay, you know, that doesn't just translate over into syllabus right like we just have to have these types of people or content on the syllabus and like for me when we're talking about our classrooms or our campus it's not just about who students are reading but also the climate uh, in the classroom and in the campus interactions between students and faculty and outcomes for different you know students of different kind of racial ethnic backgrounds so I think it's important that in some ways when we talk about this stuff, we can think about the classroom or the campus as kind of reproducing all the things that we talk about, quote, in society. They're happening already on our campus in our classrooms. And when we think about anti-racism, I think we have to think about not just what they're reading about, but what we're doing in the classrooms and on the campus uh, as well. So I, I'm, as I'm listening, I'm thinking about, you know, what what are our communities needs like the entire community when we think about the students and we also think about the fam the family right that's a big word and Sikh like we're always talking about the Sikh family but the faculty right like what are our needs and really um thinking about what's missing like in terms of preparation to do this work like how are people you know not only going to transform their syllabus and their course offerings, but also like thinking about how can we build healthier relationships between the faculty and the students and how can we um, repair some of the harm that has already been done, either through, um, you know, the invisibility of people of color in uh, the curriculum or even actual practice, like how we teach our students are we interested in our students? Are we interested in their lived experiences? And the ways that I think that we could maybe do that is focusing on some of the principles that um, John Jay espouses, like social justice, equity, and educating for justice. So some of those ideas of um, the things that we believe in or that we say we believe in, how does that show up in the classroom and how our, our faculty understanding that and how are our students receiving some of that in terms of um, curricular offerings. These are, these are great points. Uh, I, I agree, this is hugely important. Um, how, how the classroom environment operates uh, has a lot to do with how students 
experience, uh, a class as uh, affirming or, um, or to be frank, uh, racist. Um, we, I, I know from, from, from speaking with students in honors that many of them have experienced courses where the, the content is global, the content is diverse and multiracial, but the, they experience courses uh, it's, it's also based not just on the content, but on the way that the professor interacts with students. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is, I think, a particularly a challenge at an institution, well, not just John Jay, but really across higher education, where the, the, the makeup of uh, faculty does not look like the, the makeup of students. So uh, much, m- many more uh, white faculty members at John Jay than, than uh, faculty of color, unlike our student body. Um, so what does it mean to have uh, a, a professor who's a white male um, standing at the front of a room, uh, basically telling a group of, uh, of, of students, many of most of whom are women at John Jay, uh, most of whom are uh, students of color, um, this is the way the world works and I'm the expert and your job is to listen, um, especially when some, some of the elements of academic culture kind of, you know, we, get, we, we tell it how it is, we give tough criticism. If we don't appreciate somebody's work, we, we tell them it's, it's not good. Um, when, when that kind of criticism is, is delivered across racial hierarchy, uh, it's, it's not just uh, rude, it, 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 it strikes students as being racist. Um, and, and that's a problem, obviously. Uh, I think maybe the, the good news or the silver lining, if you wanted to put it this way, is that we've known for a while now, um, I don't know, maybe this is actually bad news, but we've known for a while now that that kind of pedagogy is, doesn't work well. Um, the, the, the sage on the stage model uh, isn't good for learning um, in, in addition to being uh, racially problematic. Um, so how do we um, ourselves and also working with colleagues, how do we develop not just new content, but new ways of engaging with students, new ways of running a class that, um, that acknowledges different types of knowledge that students bring, um, knowledge based in experience, uh, knowledge in emotion, that students know things about, uh, about race that, uh, that their professors might not um, because they, they haven't had that experience or read that particular set of literature. Touching on something that's particularly um, vital, which is the um, not making the knowledge that we teach in our classroom, not making the material we teach in our classroom simply something that students must assimilate to. Um, As in, we're teaching methods they deploy, or we are uh, teaching concepts they can apply. These um, are, you know, of course, some, some skills that are sort of fundamental, but also um, I think what's important is to emphasize that experiential knowledge um, destabilizes established scholarly knowledge. And I think something that's very empowering to students, and I've noticed it um, in, in my classroom, is to, um, is for, you know, <laughs> to sort of, um, point out how the things that they say or the experiences that they have actually um, actually have a count, make a counter argument to a theorist we are reading or a text that we are reading. That it's not merely, the texts aren't merely authoritative. Your professor isn't merely authoritative. 
Some of what is being said already is bringing up this idea um, around like first understanding that you have your own work to do, right? You want, you have your own healing work to do. You have to figure out what biases you bring to the table um, before you can even create anything, right? So we we are talking about how do we create an anti-racist, anti-oppressive culturally affirming curriculum, but if you haven't engaged in some of that healing work that needs to happen, and I'm talking about everyone, the whole community, because I think there's healing to be done across the board, students, faculty, even, you know, the overall community, a lot of healing work needs to be done. And then like figuring out like, you know, are we willing to be uncomfortable? Because some of this is is about, you know, our own discomfort. Curriculum has stayed um, entrenched in dominant cultural values because that's comfortable for everyone. And so I wonder if um, engaging in some deep uh, reflection on how, you know, and this is, this is hard to say, but how some people are benefiting from the exclusion and invisibility of people of color. And certainly, um, I think that in order to do any of this work, a lot of this has to happen. People have to come together and do this work collectively because no one is going to transform the curriculum alone. I, I would also add, in addition to, to healing, um, it brings to mind trauma. Um, as soon as the, as soon as, as, as you were saying, Shreya, as soon as we open up to forms of knowledge, uh, students bring to the classroom based on experience. Um, it, it's one thing to talk about race based on, you know, here are the three articles that were assigned today. What, what did they argue? Uh, to talk about race based on what is your lived experience when the room has students from 36 different lived experiences uh, opens up, uh, opens up the door to a lot of different different experiences and different emotions. Uh, and and it, it can be difficult for everyone in the room to understand how to process those emotions. Um, the academy is fairly good at, at, at teaching students how to deal with arguments, but uh, dealing with the emotion that comes with uh, the experience of racial trauma is something that, uh, that I don't, honestly know what the curriculum for that looks like uh, and, and the pedagogy as well. Um, the, the best that I can do is to try to um, model listening, um, trying to understand, trying to practice empathy without, uh, without you know, uh, leading to some, some sort of relativism. Um, but th that's, it's, it's very difficult work um, to perform, certainly for, for me at least. Um, so it, it's, it's important, but also a challenge. I, I also just wanted to do a plug for, I know we've been talking about race and, and thinking about um, a white, let's say a white male professor getting up, but I want to make a plug for class as anyone who's talked to me knows I go on and on about mm -hmm. class. <laughs> um, 
Um, and the, one of the other unspoken things that we're not talking about in this discussion about anti-racism curriculum, and this a little bit goes back to my idea about the assumption of normal experience, and people usually kind of uh, judge others based on their own experience, but academia, for the most part, is, is a middle class and an upper middle class profession in terms of and an upper class profession. Like the professors that are teaching in front of our students have lived a very different experience in terms of their class uh, and their status. Um, and so I think when we're, again, we're talking a little bit about um, what's happening in the classrooms and also reproducing, again, some of the inequalities outside of the classroom. I think, you know, something as simple as working full time, right? And when people are making assignments and saying, well, you need to do X amount from their experience, it might be that they maybe worked part time or didn't work at all when they, and so their kind of their assumption is, well, students should be able to do X, right? Versus a student that may be working full time and have other kind of responsibilities, you know, they might have a different experience. So I just want to put a plug in for thinking about uh, intersectionality more generally, but also class, particularly within our context at John Jay College, where I think for a lot of the professors and the students, there may be a disconnect, not just along race, but uh, on class uh, as well. Uh, that's something you're getting at that's, that's extremely um important because I do think, you know, uh, there are many people of color that sort of reproduce the um, inequalities and uh, reproduce kind of systems of, of oppression and largely kind of bolster the investment in, in, in whiteness. And I do think that um, as professors, kind of one of the ways <laughs> to, um, to start uh, these conversations is to fully recognize that, um, that, you know, not only there are different class positions, you know, within your students, but that um, our experience doesn't necessarily ever trace, um, you know, the same experience. Um, I am uh, a first generation South Asian woman. However, um, so I do know what it's like to be marked subaltern in majority white spaces. However, um, I have a completely different trajectory that does not trace uh, historical marginalization in the U.S. Um, and uh, our training and, our, and now our education and our professional position does make um, significant, you know, sort of power dynamics in the classroom that um, goes well beyond, you know, uh, per being a uh, professor of color. So I do think that it's important to acknowledge those intersectionalities as well. And, and Demas, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, the reality is that our institution, like many across the nation, is largely relying on white faculty to do this work, right? And our students continue to ask questions about diversifying the faculty, having courses that speak to anti-racism. Um, we even have a question about uh, a required course at the college. But the reality is that we are relying on um, 
white people at the college and elsewhere to lead in this work because of, I mean, the, the, you know, the faculty of color uh, and faculty of color with the particular expertise that we're talking about are, are a small percentage of faculty in the academy. So how does that, that work? Can institutions broadly engage in anti-racist work in mounting large-scale course requirements, in mounting large-scale um, pedagogy and training conversations in this kind of context? Dara, I'm just going to um, jump in here because it's a conversation that we always have at SEEK. Our, our department is predominantly people of color, which is different than a lot of departments across the college. And so um, we talk about whether that's even possible. And, and largely because of what you're saying, it's we're asking mostly white faculty to engage in creating um, course content and delivering course content that is anti-oppressive, anti-racist. And now this um, also this other piece that has always been part of our um, offering at SEEK is, is affirming our students, celebrating our students, appreciating our students, trying to understand our students while also acknowledging our own privilege like you are all talking about. So it's like our, our white faculty able to examine their own relationship with race and, and acknowledge those privileges and recognize the harms that have been done, you know, because of structural racism. And, you know, I, I really um, want us to go back to that letter that the students sent. They want faculty, they want more faculty of color. And while those faculty may come with um, different sets of, of privileges because of their, um, you know, uh, middle class upbringing or schooling that they've had, they still want faculty that look like them. They want Black mm -hmm. and other people of color to teach them. And so I, unless the college is going to also engage in hiring more faculty of color, then the work is really about do our current faculty members that are predominantly white want to engage in this work? Like, are they willing to look at what they teach and how they teach and are they interested in engaging with our students in a different way. And I read this article that really talked about, are we even willing to love our students? And nobody wants to talk about that, you know, like teaching and learning um, in the past spoke to that, like teachers loving their students. And, and you know, I, I don't know if that could happen right now. So that that's, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I agree with Virginia, um, both about there, there's no replacement for students being able to see somebody at the front of the classroom that they can identify with. Um, and, and also the, the second point that it, it is the, the responsibility of uh, the, the predominantly white faculty at John Jay to 
to reflect uh, on on themselves, uh, what they're teaching and how they're teaching, and and asking really honestly and openly um, with themselves, is this working with my students? And actually asking the students that as well. Um, is, is, am I teaching the kinds of things you need to learn in, in a way that, uh, that is conducive to you learning them? Um, I, have, I have heard at various points that, that in some cases the answer was no. I learned that, um, so my specialty is in modern Eastern Europe. Um, and of course, we're all trained in incredibly specific fields that we bring to the classroom. Um, I've, over time, I've worked to expand my expertise uh, t teaching courses in world history. But uh, when I came to John Jay, uh, teaching to a, a very diverse group of students, um, I, I learned that while I had the critique of, uh, of racism and white privilege down, uh, I, there was not enough material affirming other, uh, other narratives and stories. So, uh, and, and this came up in a, in a discussion in class. And so it was then the responsibility was mine to go and do some reading and find some other voices. Uh, there's an incredible opportunity to expand how one teaches and what one teaches if, uh, if one is willing to listen to, to students and reflect on what that means for us, um, that there's, there's, it means something to be a, a white faculty member teaching at John Jay. Um, while I can't change how I, uh, my, my racial identity, I can change how I teach and what I teach. We've talked about who is teaching, what are we teaching, what are we doing in the classroom, but I think there's also the question of what do we define as success, right? And I think, I know that's something Dara has, has mentioned in the, in the past, but it made me think, and I'm going back to this class uh, thing a little bit, I, I think sometimes for some of our faculty, implicit in their idea of our of students, because it's their path, is that success means graduate school, mm -hmm. right? So they think that that's what it means to be successful, but I think there is um, when we're thinking about anti-racism, like what do we think of as success for not only our learning objectives, but also for our students in terms of this larger discussion? I'm not sure if that um, makes sense, but the, the kind of the idea of thinking about not only what our faculty think of as success, but also, again, how that relates to how we may or may not be reproducing some of these uh, inequalities or outcomes in the classroom. Racism is harmful for everybody. It is harmful to everybody, to their body, to their soul. So all of us who experience racism are being harmed. And so students are asking for us to interrogate racial injustice. They're asking us to interrogate institutional racism. And they're also asking us to partner with them in trying to change some of this. Um, and so you know, it's it's true. We we're not going to hire you know a thousand people of color, right? That we, there's that's impossible. But you know, our it's it's an invitation almost that they're making to the current faculty. You know, let's talk about this, and let's not just talk about it. Let's try to figure out ways to do something because we can talk. 
all of us, every single one of us, we stand, you know, in front of the classroom or we, we sit in circle or however we do it, but we can talk, right? And, and I think they're asking us to do more than just talk right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are we going to do? What actions will we engage in to address some of the issues that their experiences, their experiencing in the classroom because they are being harmed by a lot of this like to leave a classroom and feel defeated and feel you know just hurt hurt by some of the things that you heard in class some of the things that you're even being asked to read or engage in like scholarly um work of mm -hmm. your own around issues that feel harmful to you. So I, I think there's a lot to say that um, this work has to, this work, one, will take time. This work has to be done carefully so that we don't continue to harm our students and, and, and continue to be harmed by, by racism that, that exists. Yeah. These are great points, um, Virginia, and those are in fact exactly what, uh, what we're hearing from our students in honors now that we have opened up this conversation about race and ways that, um, that uh, our students of color, their experience has not, uh, they have not seen that experience reflected in the curriculum. Um, and 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 we're are, are asking, um, so what are we going to do, do about this? Uh, it's it's a great opportunity for a discussion about how does one make change in the context of a huge bureaucratic institution in uh, in a huge and uh, deeply racially problematic society. Um, it's there's a lot of discussion and a lot of learning um, that that has to take place. Um, that the conversation is as, as you mentioned, Dara, uh, also brings up emotions that uh, that we have not done uh, in higher education a great job of, of teaching students how to understand and interact uh, in in conversations that are on uh, on, on difficult uh, embodied experiences like racism how do students coming from very different backgrounds um, parse the, the experience of others in the room that does not mirror their own? And how do we as faculty facilitate that process even when we haven't been, uh, when that may not be um, what our expertise in, what we've been trained in? Um, some, some of the answers we've come up with is uh, that we can bring in experts um, who, are, who, who do know how to host these conversations. Um, we can listen to our students and uh, and go over together some of the resources that are available for de developing these skills in listening, in empathy, in understanding what uh, what the experience of racism is for uh, for for students that may not be the same for for others from different backgrounds, um, and also working with students on revisions projects that 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 students and faculty have not traditionally collaborated on. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're actually going to be running a, a, a research course next semester where students in the honors program will be reviewing the mission statement, the program goals, uh, and 
the curriculum. Um, th what, what are the courses we're teaching? What are the course descriptions? Uh, is, this, uh, is this the way that an honors program at a Hispanic and minority serving institution, uh, is this a curriculum that makes sense for that kind of institution? Is, does it speak to those students and their needs? Um, so we're, we're grappling with these questions and with these challenges. Uh, it certainly hasn't been an easy discussion and it'll be a long and difficult path, but uh, the students have shown tremendous uh, enthusiasm and I would also say optimism um, in that they believe that the institution and its faculty can make these changes. And I think uh, Virginia, your point about students coming and asking for change, uh, the, the the, the positive side is that is it shows a real belief that there is something that can be done um, if, if we're able and willing to work with them. Right, I, I appreciate everything that you're saying and what the work that you're engaging with um, your students. Um, I just, um, I, one of the things that I thought about while you were saying is hope and um, faith that we can do this. And one of the questions that I had to ask myself before agreeing to participate in this is, what makes John Jay particularly equipped to engage in transforming our curriculum, right? Like, so we've done it before, right? We've changed our curriculum. It's part of our history. And we can do that because we have engaged in these conversations at UCAS and, you know, the Faculty Senate, College Council. These are conversations that the college has engaged in, but not in this way. And I don't think that students felt safe to um, engage in the conversation with us. And so what you're offering your students, this opportunity to, to, to engage in, in curriculum revision in the honors program. I think that that's something that if all of our departments engage in work like that, we would change our curriculum in the way that um, reflects some of these ideas about being anti-racist anti and anti-oppressive. One thing I, I want to chime in in terms of what um, um, thinking about students and their ability to express um, like the embodiment of racism and, and talking about their, their lived experience. You know, some of my own research has looked at belonging, right? And the importance of belonging um, in the classroom or on campuses, which we know particularly for racial ethnic minorities and particularly for working class students uh, is critical to their success in academic settings. And I think it's really important that we do link when we have this anti-racism discussion and thinking about race and what's going on in the classrooms, this idea that we need to, you know, whether we're doing it through training or whatever that the ways that we can get there, but the idea that students need to be able to talk about their lived experience. And that's directly relevant for their idea that I belong in this classroom. If they're saying that they can't express certain feelings or they can express mm -hmm. their lived experience, they're going to feel like they don't belong in the classroom that, you know, people like me don't belong here. So I think, you know, that, you know, one way to think about that idea of us needing to create, you know, part of anti-racism is creating space for students to talk about their experience, whether that's through faculty trainings, whether that's through really transforming the way we think about what a classroom discussion looks like. I think, you know, we need to link that idea to student outcomes, to belonging and student outcomes. But there's also kind of a notion of, um, 
you know, creating divides between students, you know, within the classroom. If certain, you know, if we do have students from different classes or different races and some are able to express their lived experience and others are not, that's going to obviously create kind of polarization among students. So I think it's important for us to think about when we think about this idea of expressing, you know, racism and their experience in the classroom to not only tie it to belonging and student academic outcomes, but also to think about, uh, you know, not creating a kind of a two-tiered experience mm -hmm. of uh, the classroom at John Jay, if that makes sense. Ain't gone work in the country, need on forces from. I want to see till my baby come, and she gon' call me Tom. Diamond, you come get me. Diamond, you come get me. Diamond, you come get me. Diamond, Ain't gone work in the country. You know, I really struggle with what is next, because the reality is that at John Jay and many institutions around the country, we are relying on the will of our primarily white faculty to do anti-racist work. We do need to decenter our disciplines. We need to understand that they have primarily been wrought in intellectual traditions based on racism and oppression. And we need to question that and figure out where we can bring our students and their lived experience and their knowledge into the classrooms and change our curriculum so that it doesn't dominate and present one standard in the way that it, it tends to have done. And I contend that a great place to start is by naming it, yes. identifying it. As you have pointed out to me and to others at the college before, if we don't name the thing, we can't measure, we can't measure it, we can't measure our progress towards it. And so I think a fitting place to start is in looking at some of our institutional work, the absence of race, racism, and anti-racism. And take stock of that, because while I am sure there were a lot, uh, there was a lot of well-meaning uh, work in the discussion of diversity and inclusion, it is not the same as we've heard today, and that we continue to hear. It is just not the same as anti-racist work developing in our students and each other a vision of what anti-racism looks like at scale, in practice, and in terms of preparation to lead and in our uh, efforts at the college. And we see this acknowledged actually in the college's mission of equipping students with a foundation to build and sustain a just society. So the time is now to speak to anti-racist work in justice and specifically criminal justice, because aside from being the future, it is the now. Well, it's long, John. The rosy 